Today's episode of The Ringer NFL Show is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. Other sites have gone back to the same old tactic of showing you a lower price and then charging huge fees at checkout. But at SeatGeek, the price you see is always the price you pay. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly how much you're paying, where you're sitting, and whether or not you're getting a good deal, all right from your phone. So drop your old site and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Ringer NFL Draft Podcast. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at The Ringer. And joining me awkward in a dimly lit hotel room for the first time on any Channel 33 platform here Debut. is Kevin Clark. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. I um, am not wearing a gas mask bong. That is really disappointing. You are wearing, can I tell the people what you're wearing? Yeah, I'm glad you're, this isn't on video right now. You're wearing a Dwight Howard Orlando Magic shooting shirt yeah. from like 2004, yeah. which I assume was the best days of your life. 2008, 2009 it would sure, be, it would be that finals. range. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. But yeah, no, that's just, this is my formal wear. That totally makes sense. I'm disappointed you didn't wear it to the draft last night. Uh, you would have been better dressed than Ezekiel Elliott was. I would have been picked the by carpet. the Titans um, because apparently they have very low standards on, on those sort of things. And, and we'll just take anybody as long as they're not wearing a gas mask bong. So we should probably get to the gas mask bong because mm. that is clearly the biggest takeaway from yesterday. Uh, the Laramie Tunsil fall is... 100% the number one story from last night of fir- yeah. last night's first round of the draft. Yeah. We were seated next to each other in the auditorium theater last night. Mm-hmm. Let's just walk through the timeline of this happening. Yeah. You saw it on Twitter first and showed it to me. Mm-hmm. It was a, that can't be real was probably the first reaction, at least from my end. I at first thought it was a viral marketing campaign. Like a, I, I, <laughs> I, I like there was, it was so obviously bizarre and out there that it had to be something other than what it appeared to be because it certainly couldn't be the presumptive number three or number four pick with a gas mask bong on his face five minutes before the draft started it couldn't be that and so we were going through all the possibilities it could be and there was nothing it turned out to be what it was and it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen maybe not just in NFL draft history maybe in sports history I mean as far as just the worst possible thing that could happen to you at the worst possible moment. It's incredible that it went down this way. I mean, what happened with Lyle Collins last year was bizarre, but in a way that even though it was strange, you could see how it might happen. It wasn't planted. It wasn't the product of complete maliciousness and an an event and something that took place that can only happen in the year 2016. Like that is possible to imagine. This just isn't, this is something out of a weird convoluted movie plot. That's not very thought out. So it's also an inconvenient scandal for NFL teams. And here's why, because a GM once told me if you listened to combine interviews or senior bowl interviews, they are so honest and so, um, juicy that you would look at the NFL in a completely different way. The honesty yeah. about drug use, the honesty about uh, legal problems or, or coaching or whatever it is, it would be would blow your mind. Okay, and now here was an issue where they had to pretend they cared because they don't care in general. If they found out this information in February or January at the Senior Bowl, they would not have cared. The issue is they're so type A, they are so into planning, they're so into this no distractions uh, charade that this video five minutes before the draft started threw them for such a loop because they are, they are scared of their own shadow that they said, okay, we can't draft this guy. So the, the Tennessee Titans, who had obviously fallen in love with him during the draft process, took Jack Conklin ahead of, ahead of him. And that's just... That is so bizarre to me. Um, I, I, I just couldn't believe that thought process. And it just shows that the NFL teams are just sort of scared of life. I mean, look, the t- Titans hired Mike Malarkey, okay? They're not going to take any risks in life, okay? They're going to hire Mike Malarkey. They're going to do the safest thing. And, and so it just speaks to how type A and boring these teams are that they decided to panic and, and let him slide to 15 to a Dolphins team that, by the way, made probably the best pick they've made in the last five or ten years. So along those same lines, Aditi Kinkabwala yesterday from the NFL Network tweeted that the Ravens, after seeing the Tunsil video, took him off their draft board. Off. This is a team that I think they maybe have to do this for PR reasons, like you're saying, based on what's I, they, happened they to them had, in the past 36 were, months. They were that Stanley was actually ahead of him on the on the board. But. Sure, but whatever. I mean, the fact that you take him off, if he wasn't there in the sixth round, they wouldn't draft him. It. 
just the posturing that goes on with something like this is incredible. And I agree. I mean, the Dolphins make the Dolphins maybe get the best player in the draft at 13. And when you're sitting there at my, looking at Miami's roster, Brandon Alberts owed guaranteed money for the next three seasons, I believe. And they drafted Juwan James in the first round two years ago. So they have tackles. But it's also a situation where if you're Chris Greer and you're sitting there, it's like, all right, well, you know what? Fuck it. I don't, I'll do it. If no one else wants to do it, why not? Yeah, it's it's a situation where you're stockpiling assets at that point, which sure. is not something the NFL likes to do. Um, yeah, it's not the NBA know, in that regard. Everyone loves to say, oh, we're going to take the best player available, but no one actually ever does it. No. They, they, they pick for need. The Seahawks are the only team that is actually upfront about the fact they pick for need. But this was just a really good pick by a team that's starting to figure it out. Mike Tannenbaum has made a lot of mistakes in his life, but I think that this is it's actually a pretty good pick. And, and I think that they're able to get out of Brandon Albert's contract really quickly. Uh, next year, I think. And look, they'll have a, a, a Pro Bowl tackle because of some weird video that, that was posted five minutes before the draft. Who? At what point did you know it was getting kind of weird? Was it when the was it when the Titans took yeah. Conklin? So the Stanley pick, I started to get a little worried for Laramie, and then when Conklin was picked, I realized that the NFL teams had just lost their damn minds. I mean, by the way, we knew that Tunsil was in the hotel room with Mdiche. That was that came out during MDJ's little that's, episode that's right. where he fell out the window. That. Okay, and he said it at the press conference. Yes, or he said, it, he at the said it publicly, and so we knew he was around this. It's not a crazy leap to assume that at some point in the last three years he partook in some of this stuff. Um, and so again, this is just NFL teams panicking, being scared, being Type A. Uh, it's just it speaks to this is the scandal that the NFL teams deserve. The weirdest part of the Conklin thing, and, and which is why I thought that's where he was going to go and that we it would be fine, the Titans gave up a lot to go back up and get yeah. Jack Conklin. They yeah. gave up a second round. They, what did they give up? They gave up a third round pick this year and a second round pick next year. Right. And they could have just taken Taylor Decker, by the way, if sure, they just if they st- wanted stayed to. at 15. Yes, or Jack Conklin may have been there at 15. I it, I was so surprised. I tweeted out from the Ringer account that, oh, my God, they got Tunsil anyway, and I couldn't have been more wrong. I, I, that was one of the more shocking moments of the entire draft in my mind. I don't think we should be surprised by any decision the Titans make. Again, hiring Mike Malarkey, uh, any of the free agent things they've done in the last four or five years, they're, bad teams find a way to lose. Okay, The miracle is not that – good teams you know win every year that the Seahawks always make good picks or the Packers always make good picks it's that teams like the Titans ever get good that's the miracle of the NFL and one day they're going to figure it out but they are probably the worst decision makers in the NFL and we saw that on display last night yeah I mean they get another tackle in the wash when it's all said and done but I don't really understand the way that they went. Well, they obviously fell in love with the Tunsil scenario at the beginning of the draft. What I mean by that is that there was this thing where, okay, Luan goes from uh, left tackle to right tackle when you draft Tunsil. Guys get kicked inside. They obviously had that in mind, but then they replaced Tunsil, the consensus number one pick at one point, with Jack Conklin. And so you, you... for whatever reason, take that scenario, draft a worse player, and try to recreate the whole scenario. It's just a very bad idea. But that's the Titans. That's that's bad NFL teams for you. I'm really curious about what's going to come out about the Tunstall story in the next 24 hours if we find out who actually that it was. And then also the narrative shaping that the NFL is going to do with the, well, it wasn't just this, guys. We were yeah. worried about all the other stuff he's done. I think yeah. one, one uh, anonymous source said, you never know what's coming next with him. I know what's coming next. He moves like... I was going to say a ballerina, but that's a cliche. Yeah. It, no man that size should move the way he does, and he can play for me anytime. So now he gets to play for the Dolphins. How does he? How does he fix this? Does he do a bit where he makes fun of himself? Does he wear wear a gas mask to an interview or something? I mean, I think he has to own it. Ooh. You know, this is the sort of thing. Does he show up on Jimmy Fallon, you know, or James Corden, you know, right, and, so- and just do a viral video and just try to get out in front of this, laugh at himself? That was the biggest problem with Manti Teo. Okay, is that he never owned it, and so everyone went around making Manti fun Teo of him. Seems like a pretty humorless guy. He was extremely humorless, and one of the problems with that whole, if you want to call it a scandal, was that he never found a way to make it better immediately. And and the way to do that is to just make fun of yourself. Tunsil needs to just go all in, show up on Fallon or Corden, make fun of himself, and, and get this over with. By all accounts, he seemed like a guy that was kind of out of his depth yesterday in the way that 
this is a huge moment and I think he was a little scared and confused. Like I would be too. Like if someone had my life in their hands and were trying to destroy it actively yeah. on the biggest day that's ever going to happen to me, I think I would also be those things. So, I'm currently scared and confused, and I'm just here with you yeah, recording well, a podcast. You're with me in a room. That's yeah. why you should be. Yeah. There's everyone that is in this situation usually is. So there's gonna get we're gonna get to plenty of stuff that we don't like about what happened last night. Let's yeah. start on a little bit more positive note. Mm. Your favorite pick from the first round last night, Robert and DJ. Okay, and, and I think you know going to Arizona where they've saved some some players who had character issues in the past. I, I think that's a good fit. But I also think just in a vacuum, if he'd gone anywhere, he would have been fine. I think that there's something popping up now, which I think is so funny. It's, it's part of the anonymous scout sort of industrial complex where we think that anyone who's not completely normal is a bad pick. And it appears to me that the people who are drafting and are, are passing on him, DJ or Connor Cook or people like that because of the way they act – I feel like those people have never actually met an NFL player, okay? Pass rushers are weird. <laughs> Quarterbacks are weird. Quarterbacks are sometimes douchebags. But they they are still really good at being quarterbacks. They're really good at being a pass rushers. And I just feel like, you know, passing on Mdiche because he's a little out there or because maybe he fell through a window at one point, which, hey, we've all who, – who, he who hasn't fallen through a window uh, in their lifetime, throw the first stone, right? Um, also, he fell through a window, and he's fine. He's great. He I, was ready I think to go. That is, it's more of a positive in his direction than it should be a negative. Yeah, he has better knees. After, after, post falling through a window, he has better knees than Miles Jack or Jalen Smith. Oh, God. Tell me that's, that's cool. not athletic prowess. <laughs> I, uh, I love it. I, I mean, I would assume that the Cardinals didn't think he was going to be there. And now you add Robert Kimdiche to Calais Campbell, Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden on third down. I'm all in. Tell you what. All set. Ready to go. You get him, DJ and Chandler Jones in the same room. That's, that's a motley crew. They both have some misadventures with, uh, with some substances there. I mean, the Cardinals have clearly shown that they can bring guys in and get the most out of them if they're people who have these concerns coming in. I, uh, he's my favorite pick, too. I think that that's value-wise in terms of fit, everything else. I can just see him in the uniform. It's one of those things. Like I just I – I, the first – like pregame feature on Sunday night football in like week seven after he's gotten six sacks in his first five weeks. And we go back through the timeline of what stuff happened. I can just see it already. It, I, it's I, there. Can, I can see Bruce Arian saying he hasn't been a pro. Oh baby. He's been, a, he's been a dream. <laughs> he is coachable. Oh my God. That's my, that, that's Bruce Arians in week two. Oh, he's just getting after the quarterback, man. I, I have not seen anything wrong with him, man. Oh gosh. Um, the other one that I really liked that I did not expect, but when it all kind of comes together in my mind, it made a lot of sense was Carl Joseph going to Oakland. Mm. I, before the draft, I want a Keanu Neal to go there because looking at what the Raiders did this off season, they had a lot of the guys in terms of pass defense from a coverage and pass rush perspective. So you bring in Bruce Irvin, you bring in Sean Smith, you bring in Reggie Nelson. Those are all guys that are going to help your pass defense from a bothering the quarterback situation. Carl Joseph is just a human being who erases another other human beings and a lot of guys that have watched players from September on always loved him, and it was just an injury issue. So if you think he's going to come back 100% and that's a clean situation, then I love it for the Raiders. I think he makes tons of sense for them. I think Jalen Ramsey was is going to end up being the best player in the draft. And the way I look at it in Jacksonville is everyone was saying, is he a safety, is he a corner? I think that if you just look at he's you know, like he's not 230 pounds, but if you look at the modern NFL and the way that the teams have been able to put people like Deion Buchanan in any situation, you can put him anywhere on the field and he will, he will hold up. Okay. And so he's so athletic. You know, I like, I went to university of Miami. I watched him play at Florida state. I watched him play once a year at least. And, and he was, he was one of the most present athletes I've ever seen, you know, before the snap pounding on his chest, uh, being everywhere on the field. I mean, I was, I hated playing against that guy, which I, I think is one of the, the biggest compliments I can give uh, any defensive back. He was so, um, just he was so present on the field that I, I feel like you could put him anywhere and he will make an impact. And as the the game gets to a point where, you know, the athletes are all the same, the athletes are all going to be six four, two hundred and forty pounds. You need guys like that 
who are going to be able to cover anyone on the field, receiver, tight end, um, H-back out of the backfield, whatever it is. And so I think to have a piece like that you can put anywhere, especially in a Gus Bradley defense, is really important. So I think playmaking-wise, in three years, we're going to look back and say Ramsey was the best player in the draft. I wouldn't be surprised with that at all, especially if he becomes Patrick Peterson. I mean, if you are that just cover corner that can do anything and be with anyone, then your value is higher than somebody like Ezekiel Elliott. There's no doubt about that. And you look at Jacksonville's secondary now, or just their defense as a whole. You bring in Malik Jackson, you get Dante Fowler back, which is pretty much an extra first-round pick. They sign Prince of Mukamara. They bring in Tayshawn Gibson, who if he's his 2014 version, not his 2015 version, that becomes interesting. I could see it coming together. I'm not saying it's going to, but there's a version of this season for the Jags where they don't have like a bottom 10 defense. Their offense takes another step forward and Gus Bradley gets to keep his job. There's a scenario that's playing out, which is that everyone in that division is quite possibly garbage. Sure. I mean, it, there, there's no... Are we sure the Colts are going to be good again? No. no I'm not we're, sure we're about not, that at all. We're not. Are we sure Brock Osweiler's good? No. No. I am sure that he's probably better than Ryan Mallett, though. That's, that's a good <laughs> that, that, That's all I'm saying. The Titans are doing their, their adventure stuff with, um, with whatever the hell they're doing. And they're rebuilding and, and, and stockpiling. Every time assets. I see Mike Malarkey on the sideline this weekend, I'm just going to shake my head and wonder why. Every single time. I, there's just no other response that I can muster at this point. Is this like a major league thing? Are they trying to move? Is that why they hired Malarkey? <laughs> they're trying, I, I, I don't. There has to be some weird thing. It's almost like the, the Malarkey hire is the Tunsil video of coaching hires in the sense that you look at it and you, you have to. It has to be something else. So then why wouldn't, I guess, why wouldn't you take Wild Thing? Or why wouldn't you take Tunsil if you think he's like the Wild Thing element of this entire. Because he might be. He might be so good even though he's such a loose cannon. That's yeah, the problem. I don't know. Is it Maybe pro- he just what, needs glasses. Malarkey, right. Malarkey was around when they when when the Jaguars drafted Justin Blackman, I think. Yes, he was. And I think that that probably when you have something like that it probably scars you for life in a weird way where you have someone sure. who's so talented and can be brought down by something like substance abuse. And so no one is saying that Tunsil has a problem or, or that he's anywhere close to what Blackman is, but I think that when you see that you probably get a little gun shy. Yeah, I mean I I could certainly see that. I mean I and you're right. They're not going to do anything that's out of the ordinary or anything that could be described as a risk. It's just not where they are as a franchise. Uh, how about your least favorite pick? Oh, I think I might know who this is after sitting to you yesterday and seeing you sigh well, I for did, the 10 minutes I after did, it happened. I, for about 10 of the picks, I did yell garbage pick to you. So it could, <laughs> there's, a, there's a real there a lot possibility. Of options out there. Real possibility could be, could be any of those 10. For me, value-wise... And now I hated, obviously, the Giants reaching for Eli Apple uh, when you had Rankins, Tunsil, and Lawson on the board. But for me, it's Ezekiel Elliott. Because I look at the Cowboys and I say, they're a dominant pass rusher away from having a great defense. Or they're a Jalen Ramsey away from being able to hide that maybe lack of pass rush with a great secondary. Okay? Instead, you have Jerry Jones with his Gatsby's green light triplets thing. And he's trying to recreate 1992, which always works. Anytime you can try to recreate something from, from 24 year, years ago in a different era of football, you got to do it. Um, I, I just think it is such a dumb thing. I mean, it, Elliot's a throwback player. He's got the crop top. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's got this attitude that is very early 90s athlete. But I just I, I don't know why you do it. A running back in 2016 is very different from a running game. You need a running game, but you don't necessarily need a running back. I think you can manufacture it behind an offensive line. I don't think that they necessarily had the pieces last year, and they didn't obviously have the quarterback play to allow you to run the ball. But I, I, I just feel like there's no reason for them to have taken Elliott with the fourth overall pick. This was a gift to have Romo out last year and, and to have – you know, it's such a high pick in a draft where, where the first two players were over were overdrafted quarterbacks, okay? So you essentially had the second pick in the draft, and you screwed it up by taking a running back. There were so many things you could have done here that were better. So many things that could have, by the way, gotten them in contention for a Super Bowl. I honestly believe that. If they had picked a Ramsey or a Bosa, I would throw them in the mix to maybe make the Final Four, uh, make the championship game. And now I, I don't even see them jump jumping Washington. Yeah, it's and I, I think Philly's defense is going to be really good too. I, they're not going to be fun to play against, so I wouldn't throw them out just yet either. If you look at just the makeup of their secondary, you bring in Ramsey, it allows you to take Claiborne out. So now you have Carr on one side, just took a pay cut, much easier to stomach as a starter. 
Skandrick in the slot. You put Ramsey on one side, and then you have Byron Jones at yep. free safety. Things become interesting. Yep. That Things start to get a little bit, all right, that makes sense. And like you said, where do you think that Dallas finished in ru- rushing DVOA last year? Uh, middle of the pack? Ninth. Ninth. With a, finishing dead last throwing the ball. Yeah. That is really, really hard to do. It's yep. almost impossible to do. Because if teams are just saying, well, we're going to let you run, we're going to make you run the ball, and you can still run the ball, that's yeah. pretty damn impressive. Yeah. So, And you figure they could throw anyone back there. And they pretty much did last year. Yeah. They threw Darren McFadden's corpse and behind that offensive line, and it seemed to work. The Devil's advocate. Yeah. It's going to be fun as hell to watch if it works. If he's that good, if he's Todd Gurley, and I'm not saying that he is, but if he is, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm really going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's going to be great. They're going to play every game. It's going to be 34-30. Great. I'm but in. You're Let's telling do me this. DeForest Buckner couldn't have changed that that defense? I he probably could have. I think that in that defense, you struggle to find what DeForest Buckner does. Yeah. Um, they are as traditional of a 4-3 team as you really get in the league these days. They do a lot of twisting, which is why I thought Bosa would have been a nice fit there. Well, yeah, right. But I... I I'm usually scheme doesn't matter to me right now. I say take the best guy and figure it out later. Yeah. But with that team, I think they fit into as much of the old four three style as most teams do in the league. So that he's a little worse of a fit for me than most guys are. If Bosa were available and Elliott still won, I would have flown to Dallas to protest outside of Valley Ranch. I have no dog in the fight, but I, I just feel like that would have been criminal. And, and I'm glad that they didn't have to make that choice. But again, Ramsey would have changed the defense for, for the better. I, uh, I don't have as many garbage pick thoughts as you do. I didn't in the moment last night either. But the one that I still am just shaking my head at is Jack Conklin going eighth overall. I, not only because Tunsil was there and because they gave up so much to go get him. There was also just this idea of a lot of people that I respect talking about offensive line play that weren't sold on Conklin. He plays hard and you know he used to be a walk-on and all that, and that's great. But he's the eighth overall pick now. He's not a guy you stumbled into in the fourth yeah. round. He developed into a starter. Unless he's a sure thing, maybe going to be a star. I don't really get it. He—he he, That's the one that makes me shake my head the most. Mostly because I am talk, I've talked myself into the Bears taking a letter Floyd so definitively that I can't doubt it anymore. There's one thing I want to touch on with the, the ex-walk-on try-hard thing. Okay. My philosophy on the draft, especially in the top 10, top 15, is you draft guys you can't get in free agency. Okay, and you can't sure. get off off the scrap heap. Okay, so that means quarterbacks, pass rush, and absolute freak athletes. I'm talking about Jalen Ramsey, people like that. You know, Ramsey has a 41 inch jump, that sort of thing. Conklin is the exact example of someone who you can just spend 20 million dollars on in the off season and just get a Jack Conklin. Okay, he's never going to be. Be- there's a good chance he's never better than Mitchell Schwartz, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you can find guys like that. Look at, you know, Oakland has been able to assemble um, a great offensive line, and they didn't do it all through the draft, okay? They only uh, drafted one guy. Yeah, exactly. And so you go out, you spend the money. The, the cap is basically unlimited at this point. And you go out and you put together an offensive line because those guys are available. You can get Osemele, um, You can get any guys. Donald Penn, go out, go out and get him, whatever. You just can't get quarterbacks pass rush and freak athletes they don't become available they get locked up um when they you know they get franchised they get fifth year optioned whatever it is so to take a guy like conklin that early is just crazy it it, it speaks to me the, the the many teams don't understand how the nfl draft is supposed to work i agree with you in the freak athlete whatever way and that's kind of why i talk myself into the floyd thing yeah just that- i 100 agree it's a great pick it, it, it's you look at a lot of the pass rushers in this draft, even Bosa. I like Joey Bosa. He's a very good football player. We're actually talking to him later on this show. I, I He is so solid. He does so many things well. I could understand where you would make him the number one player on your board like San Diego yeah. did. But I don't think he's ever going to be an absolute superstar. This comparison to J.J. Watt stuff is bonkers. He is not that good of an athlete. He's not as explosive. Floyd is. Yeah. He's 6'6". Six, six. He had a... <laughs> he had a 39-and-a-half-inch vertical and 127-inch broad jump. The dude gets after it. And he's skinny, yes. He needs to put on weight, yes. 24. Yes. It's, John Fox said yesterday, he said, I can make them bigger. I yeah. can't make them faster. And, and that's the thing you're looking at with a guy like Leonard Floyd. If there are very few superstars in this draft, but he has the potential to be that 
or an absolute flame out, I don't mind going with that in the top 10. I really don't. No, I agree. I, I just, Floyd, there obviously are concerns. There's a reason he wasn't, you know, if he was JJ Watt, he would have gone first overall. But again, he's skinny. He has, um, you know, he has some age issues. He doesn't show up on tape as much as maybe he should. But you, look, there is a huge correlation between athleticism at, at that sort of position and success. And if you just take the freak athlete, you're going to more times than not have a lot of success. Not, you know, look, you're going to have a Vernon Golston once a decade who have incredible measurables and then can't get a sack in, in the NFL, literally can't get a sack in the NFL. But I think more times than not, just take the freak athlete and, and let the, the rest fall where it may. So let's talk about the kind of the pivot point of the draft in a weird way that happened right at the beginning. I mean, when Joey Bosa becomes the de facto number yeah. one pick in this draft, I was surprised because based on scheme and based on what I saw from him and how I envisioned him in the league, I did think he would go to a team like Dallas. He'd be a 4-3 yeah. end. That's how he would exist. And then Michael Gelkin from the San Diego Union Tribune yesterday came out and said Tom, one of Tom Telesco's first comments after drafting Bosa was that, He's going to be somebody who uses a five technique and we make him play everywhere, which makes sense to me watching Joey Bosa, but I didn't think most NFL teams would be that creative. I'm glad to see that one is going to be. Yeah, there's a difference, though, between post-draft press conference and Sunday in September, and I'm curious to see how much that coaching staff is going to let him play everywhere. I mean, I think that coaching staffs really either you know the reason that there's so many lame free agents that keep re-signing with the same team you know like the Jim Leonard with Rex Ryan or whatever it's because teams value guys who just know what to do okay and with Bosa in order for him to learn all those positions or all those techniques or where he should be on the field it's going to take a little bit and so I'm a little bit worried that okay yeah he's going to play here he's going to play the five whatever play everywhere um, I'm a little bit worried that it's going to be August 15th and they're going to say oh my god he's not perfect we're just going to keep him in one position on the field the entire time then he gets lost in the scheme and all of a sudden you know the charges are 2 and 14 again I hope that doesn't happen and I hope that they have the bodies to allow it not to happen I mean if you can throw out legit and if Ingram's healthy and then you have Atashu. you so you put Atashu and Ingram on the outside you put yeah. Bosa inside on nickel downs I think that they have the bodies to make it happen but again it, it, this becomes about preservation in a way when you're staring down the bolt down the barrel of the gun it's yeah the Chargers staff almost got fired in mass last year yeah and they could get fired again this year so it becomes how am I not going to get fired by October and the, if the answer is stop moving Joey Bosa around because the experiments costing them three yards a drive, then they're going to stop doing that. I mean, coaches are creatures of preservation. And now we're actually going to talk to Joey Bosa. But before we do, I want to get to one of our sponsors. Mother's Day is quickly approaching. And if you're like me, I can never figure out what to get mom, let alone where to get it. We've all been there weaving through the aisles of the mall parking lot for an hour as the parking ninjas keep stealing the only space. And when you finally do start shopping, you realize I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, lucky for us, there's a great new app called Giftagram. Giftagram lets you send anyone a unique and thoughtful gift with only three clicks of your smartphone. I just sent my mom the Simply Koopa wine glasses, and the whole process took me less than 60 seconds. My mom listens to this, so happy Mother's Day, Mom. The whole process is so simple. You just choose a gift from a curated category, select a contact on your phone, and hit send. But here's the magic. You don't even need a mailing address to send the gift. Giftagram asks the receivers for their preferred address, and the gift is in their hands three to five business days later. How cool is that? Their gift selection for mom is second to none. Find modern gifts like Bang & Olufsen Bluetooth speakers, and more traditional ones like a three-month flower subscription from the Boops. Then send one to your mom anywhere in the US or Canada. And here's the best part. Listeners of this podcast can get $20 off their first gift on Giftagram. Just download the Giftagram app on your iPhone or Android device and enter the code BSPN. Thanks to Giftagram for their support and for making life just a little bit easier. All right. And now we are welcomed by Joey Bosa, who is sitting with me on a school bus outside of Wrigley Field. I don't. I think people should know that. Pretty random. Yeah, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. I'm pretty sure that's how most of this week has gone for you, yeah. though. It's like strange events and awkward moments, and that's what the yeah. week before the draft is supposed to be. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> they keep you busy, but it's a... It's an awesome week for all of us, so can't keep playing. No, not at all. Uh, good school bus memories? Like, were you, did you ride the bus to school? No, never never rode the bus to school, just to football games. Yeah, we'd be in buses just like this, uh, but 
pretty funny. Pretty funny stuff goes down on the way to football games sometimes. I'm, I remember, I mean, this is my high school days, back to when life really mattered. But mm-hmm. on the way there was quiet, but then after wins, that was when things got like very raucous. Was that uh, took that was I, for you guys? I beg to differ. Okay, all right. Maybe the Ohio State <laughs> yeah. setting is a little different. I don't know. Um, no, I mean... Not Ohio State, of course. Yeah. Okay, no, but in high school I'm, you guys got rowdy about, on the I mean, way. We weren't in school buses. Oh, that's I <laughs> guess that's, that's a good State. point. Yeah, uh, yeah, but on high in high school we, of course, you got some characters on your football team <laughs> in high school. So uh, yeah, probably stuff I can't really talk about right now. But uh, <laughs> some funny stuff. Maybe after the draft. Maybe yeah, after maybe. everything's all set. <laughs> so uh, I heard a rumor that the haircut is inspired by a certain. Certain famous pre- for certain famous actor. Yeah. Um, did you like bring a picture of Ryan Reynolds to the barber? How did this no, work? So, um, one of my friends sent me a bunch of different options, <laughs> and uh, I just thought his was the best. And uh, I mean, I'm a fan of Ryan Reynolds, of course. Deadpool's hilarious. He's very well done. Um, yeah. yeah. So he's a funny guy, and I mean, ladies love him. He's married to Blake Lively. I mean, can't get better than that. They're worse so. people to model yeah, yourself exactly. after. So how many headshots? Did you look like a bu- bunch of headshots? Like how yeah, many options some, were there sent to you? There were probably four or five. So, I mean, you got to gotta weigh your options. <laughs> uh, are you a movie guy? Like, do you get there a lot? Um, I don't know about going to the movies much, but, yeah, I do love love a good movie. So football-wise, obviously, you know, that's the biggest stuff that's going on right yeah. now. Um just from a sense of where you might go, where you think is a possibility, I mean, it, do you feel like where everyone has you slotted is where you feel like is going to happen in, like, the top five, six, seven? Is that the sense you have of everything? Um, Yeah, I feel okay. pretty confident, but um, anything could happen. Trades could happen. Picks can be different than what are expected. Uh, I mean, I could be anywhere, really. People could trade up, um, but... I'm pretty confident. I mean, at least I'm confident in what I did in this process. I sold myself as well as I possibly could. Um, I showed these teams who I really am, uh, which uh, sometimes you don't hear out yeah. in the in the media. It's usually just negative stuff because people are negative people. Yeah. It seems like in this world, especially in media, no, <laughs> sorry no. to you. I, but, no, it's, <laughs> I, I, I understand uh, it. Don't worry. Yeah, it was nice to be able to uh, really sh- sell yourself and show who you are as a person to these teams instead of just what they may have heard. Where is the disconnect for you there? What what could you show a team that maybe you didn't think the media portrayed you as over the course of those couple of years? <clears throat> um, I mean, I just think you, there's rumors and not just with me of course with everyone else um people say one thing and it seems nowadays people are gullible enough to believe anything they hear on the internet sure. so you read something and then that other person says it then this person says it and then it just spreads like wildfire so it's just nice to put some things to rest because i was asked a lot of crazy questions um not to be discussed now but uh, yeah, but I've been asked a lot of crazy questions that I don't even know where where it comes from. But uh, it's nice to put put a lot of them to rest. From a football perspective, is there anything that came up over those conversations, or just in the course of this process, where you thought to yourself, "How is that a problem now?" Like, um, and it was never a problem before. Football wise, yeah. like how I play. Yeah, or just um, like combine testing, anything stuff that came up as a concern that you were just like, "Really, this is something um, people are worried about." No, I think they're confident in how I play. Um, That's why I'm on these visits. Um, Of course, I could always get better in every aspect of my game, and they tell me that they're not recruiting me, so they're kissing my butt, telling me how great I am. Uh, I mean, they do think I'm a good player, uh, but they're already thinking ahead and trying to make me a better player, and that starts by what I'm bad at. Well, not bad at, but not great at sure. so i mean they tell me my weaknesses um what were what they feel what um, did people say that like maybe you need to work on this a little bit um i mean i can't really think of a specific thing right now that, but i mean so there's just very technical small things mm-hmm. maybe on one specific play um that i could have done better and i just try to take in everything all these coaches say because they're they're the best of the best they're nfl d-line coaches so, uh, yeah, it's um, 
it was it was a great experience to take all the knowledge in from from all these different teams. The tone of those meetings, it's not being recruited, like you yeah. said. It was it surprising to you how harsh it could be sometimes? Did you um, expect it to be a little lighter? Um, no, it was it wasn't too bad. Um, a lot of it was positive and talking about what you do well, and uh, <clears throat> it was a lot of just talking football, which I love, of course. Um, Mostly the coach. I mean, when you're meeting with the main guys, the head coach, the D line coach, the D coordinator, those are the fun meetings because sure. you're talking football and you're actually talking to people that are going to impact your life, yeah. not these scouts. I mean, of course, the scouts are important. They're the ones who watch your film, but I mean, some of the things they say, it's like, how much do you really care about their opinion when you're listening to? the d-line coach and he says something completely different sure and you're, so i'm really listening to what these main guys the head coach d-line coach d coordinator have to say because they're they're the guys i'm going to be spending a lot of time with and those are the guys who i'm going to have to listen to but uh yeah some of the so most of the questions you get outside those main guys are just repetitive and exactly the same every single place like what just Oh, so if you would take one guy with you from Ohio State, who would it be? Uh, who's the best guy you played this year? Um, Those are the questions you get asked at team interviews. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, every single, every single team asks you the exact same list of questions, but they try to throw it in like they they didn't just pull it off of a list. They're like, oh, they yeah, thought of so, it like uh, it's the only person yeah, who's ever asked that this, question. This, 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 and I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's funny sometimes, but uh, it's just it was so repetitive, crazy how repetitive it was. But uh, like I said, meeting with the head coach and all everyone else, the GMs were awesome. The owners were awesome. But uh, yeah, they were great experiences. Was there ever when you had those meetings with a D line coach? Did anybody kind of give you some insight into your game that you'd never even really considered before? Like, oh um, man, that's actually kind of really fascinating. Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> My coach coaches one way. These coaches coach different ways. So, um, yeah, they coach completely different. Not completely different. There's some some similarities, of course. But uh, uh, we watch some plays, and he's like, oh, if you would have done this, then this. And I'm like, oh, wow, you're right. Um, dip your shoulder here, rip through, pull your arm all the way through, and you would have turn the corner easier blah 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 something like as simple as that and i'm like wow wish i would have known that beforehand would have had would have made five more sacks or this or, but yeah there's there's just small little things that uh i mean like i said they're the best of the best that's why they're coaching in the nfl so awesome well thank you very much for doing this i really yeah. appreciate it good luck to you and hope hope for the best thank so. you yep absolutely So one of my favorite moments from every first round, Kevin, is that moment where we say, uh, what? Who? Who's? Oh, wait, what? Is that a person? And I think it happens every year. Yeah. I, there's usually near the end of the first round. You don't know who people are. I think Jermaine Effetti from Texas A&M that went to Seattle is kind of in that conversation. But I think our number one winner for that award last night is a guy that a team traded back into the yeah. first round to get. And it's not a position you'd normally consider ripe for that. Not one of our value picks. No, If we were outlining not. and we're talking about Joshua Garnett from Stanford, a guard, who, again, someone you could probably get a replica of in free agency and not have to trade back into the first round to get. But listen, the Niners like to do things a little weird, you know, that they've taken different approaches to the draft. Remember a couple of years ago they tried the whole quote-unquote red shirt thing where they were taking guys off of knee injuries and hoping to keep them – uh, in, in-house for a year and then get them healthy. That didn't work. So I think they like to take chances, and I think they saw value with Joshua Garnett. I, I, I don't think that's going to end up being the pick of the, the century, but, uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, they, they Chip Kelly, uh, you know, he's back to coaching full-time, but he's obviously got got a little crush on this guy, and I, I think that's uh, – I can't wait to see what he's going to do out there. Uh, the Pac-12 pipeline continues for Chip Kelly. It's kind of amazing. But I – the Josh Gorgana thing is interesting because I've heard a lot of people say good things about him and they like him as a player. 
but it was always in the mold of he's a really good gap guard. Sure. He's a good puller. He's a power player, which in an old San Francisco scheme would have worked perfectly well. That's yeah. the type of players they loved. Chip Kelly doesn't run that kind of offense. It's yeah. the exact opposite kind of offense. So And not he's not a good athlete. Not a good athlete. That's the thing. He doesn't move that well. And he's he's a power guy. He's very strong. He's very physical. But he isn't somebody that's that fleet of foot. And those are the guys Chip Kelly usually succeeds with. So, I don't know. I, maybe they see something that everyone else doesn't. I clearly... When I saw his combine numbers, he was one of the people I yelled garbage pick at. Yes, which is an yeah, incredibly right. professional thing to do in a, in a, in a public setting You like didn't that. scream it. I didn't but... yell it, no. Yeah. He wasn't at the draft, so he wouldn't have heard it if I did scream it, though. I uh, I let out one clap inadvertently when the Bears traded up for nine because I thought it was Tunsil, but that was really the only unprofessional thing I did last night. If the Cowboys would have taken Tunsil and I had taken off my shirt and started running around the balcony at the theater, I think that would have been considered unprofessional. Well, if you make a good night to pick, it's <laughs> that, that that's possibly still on the table there, Robert. I really just wanted Tunsil to be with a ridiculous offensive line. Yeah. And I had heard that the Raiders were considering taking him if he was there at 14, which... Oh. What is that offense? Is that just Carr and Cooper and then nine offensive linemen? Yeah, which okay. is cool right. by no, me. That's, that's my exact offense. That's the offense I would run if I was in charge of a team. Old Big Ten offense. Yeah, I like that. Uh, he's the guy that wins it for me. I think everyone else, the names are names that I recognize. You know, guys yeah. that had gotten some buzz before the draft. Even guys like Keanu Neal, I don't think it was a surprise because he was in that room for a reason. Sure. Um, so with that. Dan Quinn had a crush on him. I get it. Yeah. I mean, there's that Dan Quinn connection. You can see that. So outside of uh, – Really, just Garnett was the only one that was a head-scratcher from that side of it. On the other side, yeah, I think we should give out a few awards for the teams that, congrats, you did yeah. what you should have done tonight, and we weren't necessarily expecting you to, but well done. And that starts with the Cleveland Browns, Ooh. who now have 68 picks in they the next have, two they drafts. They have the, the, last, uh, the last 200 picks. They've got them all. It's just going to be Browns, 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 Browns. And unbelievably, Robert, this, I've looked into this, they're all going to bust. They're all going to be huge busts. Uh, and the ultimate process over results against a curse challenge continues. I, they do the right thing. They continue doing the right thing. Picking up an extra second rounder this year, an extra third rounder. Yeah. Or, or third rounder this year, second rounder next year to oh. move back to 15. Just excellence. Coleman was a bad pick. But you I didn't like... like Coleman. So, okay, let's go over this. Why? Yeah. What is your Corey Coleman problem? I just feel like Dotson was the better player. He's, all right. He's much taller. Uh, his numbers are better. Um, I, I don't know. Again, it goes back to the freak athlete thing. I get the speed thing, but I, I just feel like you're going to need big bodies on the outside to win in this league. I, I just Dotson was the guy. I'm not saying Corey Coleman's going to be the worst player in the history of the Browns organization. There's a lot of competition for that. But what I am saying is if you pick Dotson, I feel like that's a home run pick. I thought Dotson was the best receiver in the draft. Yeah. I He was my favorite. I would have taken him as well. But – I get the Coleman thing. If, if you want to add that element to your offense right away, if you think he's the most dynamic, impactful receiver, maybe not the best receiver from the way that I understand it, being able to make contested catches, being able to just jump out of the gym and make them. But it's not like Coleman is just a speed guy. He yeah. was productive. I mean, he caught 20 touchdowns yeah. his last year at Baylor. So uh, it, that position makes sense. If we're going to give them some credit for their overall strategy, I get wanting to go in that direction. No, I get that. I, I also, look, I think when you're rebuilding from scratch like that, I think you start on the lines. And, and you start at getting a pass rush. You start at, you know, Mingo is not very good no. um, at all. None of their pass rushes are and very so good. And so I feel like receiver is one of those positions where if you're Minnesota and you feel like you could win a Super Bowl this year, okay, you take Treadwell like they did, and, and then that's sort of the last piece, even though they've taken receivers before. Receiver is the last part of the rebuild. I feel like you start in the lines or you start at quarterback, whatever it is. I, I just don't like receiver as a first step in a building process. I agree with that. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from with that. The Treadwell thing, uh, that's an interesting set of picks there with Fuller, Docks, and Treadwell. It's kind of fascinating, that run on wide receivers that happened. The Fuller, we talked about this during the draft. I, you didn't like it. I understood it. I thought they would go with Coleman if he were still there. Mm -hmm. I, again, think Doxon is a better player than Will Fuller. But I like diversifying your skill set at wide receiver. Mm -hmm. If you have DeAndre Hopkins, if you have Jalen Strong, I like adding a guy that just tears by people and takes the top off of defense because I think it gives you a new element. Yeah. So that one makes sense. 
the Dachshund one. Kirk Cousins has a lot of help. I, really good. I, it just good lord. The I, Redskins I mean, might be like a Super Bowl contender. I, wow. I, I, I don't look. They won a division oh, last year. I, I have some interesting thoughts about who might be a Super Bowl contender. Now, obviously, I think that's going to be the usual suspects: your Seattle's, your Carolinas, your New Englands after Week Five um, or starting in Week Five. But I, I just feel like there's some teams on the edge right now who have the talent. Why can't the Redskins compete? They they were good last year, and now they have Josh Dotson. They have Junior Gallette back. Um, McLuhan knows what he's doing. Kirk Cousins is apparently good. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, the other one, and this gets into congratulations, you did what you're supposed to do. The Buffalo Bills taking Shaq Lawson. Totally. I love That's this. another one for me. Why yep. can't the Bills be good? Is it because of Rex Ryan? Are we all assuming that Rex Ryan is, is a bad coach now because they have a lot of talent, um, they, both on offense and defense? I think Rex is – is an above-average coach, I feel like the Buffalo Bills might make the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised by that. My concern with the Lawson pick and that defense in general, for years we kind of thought that the problem with the Rex defenses, the pass rush specifically, yeah. was that he didn't have the talent to create a good pass rush. And then last year he had all the players and they still didn't have a good pass rush. And you heard those guys complaining about what their roles were in the scheme the entire year, everything else. So I'm starting to worry that he's not the best at just leaning on a front four and then he feels like yeah. he needs to manufacture one in weird ways. I just want to see him kind of let Shaq Lawson do his thing, which he didn't do with Mario Williams last year. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but, I mean, Mario Williams has, has murdered a lot of coach careers in his life. Okay? I like Shaq Lawson more than Mario Williams. Oh, yeah, but of course. But I, I still I, I want to see it happen before I'm willing to concede that this is what we want out of Rex Ryan defense. What do you think um, – Rex will be like on the CBS pregame show next year. I think it'll be great. Yeah, he'll be going to be fantastic. I, mean, I just I, wanted to. I, I think he's going to be great. I will be curious to see with Washington whether or not they keep Pierre Garcon. He's owed eight million dollars. They're four million dollars under the cap. They there might be a move to make there. Maybe there isn't. Maybe they roll with those four guys. They bring Doxon along slowly in four receiver no, sets. I, I, they can yeah. trot all those dudes out, and it's terrifying. I saw some of the Redskins guys, the beat writers, say that it looks like this will be Pierre's last year, but he will stick this year. Uh, That's fine. Don't mind Just it. play a high-octane offense. I mean, look, if Daniel Snyder can screw this up, he will. And, and, and we still have months until the season starts. They're probably going to try to you know sign Peyton Manning or something. Um, but I just feel like right now, as it's constructed, I think they're going to be really good. And the Cowboys drafted their way out of division contention last night. Another team that I think is on the brink of contention and got a guy that is going to help them schematically. And if all the other receivers were gone, I don't mind it. Laquan Treadwell going to Minnesota. Mm. Uh, the entire draft process, teams were talking about, people were talking about how he was the best blocking receiver in the draft, and I didn't give a shit because if you're a first-round wide receiver, that probably shouldn't be your best asset. On a team with Adrian Peterson, probably worth it to have yeah. a guy that can really block. Also, that team is terrible at pass blocking, like horrendous. So having guys that can win quickly and just are solid physical exploit open space receivers in an Anquan Bolden mode makes total sense for me. And that's exactly what he is. Yeah, I guess. But on the other hand, they weren't able to figure out the safety position. They signed Michael Griffin. I thought I'm with you, Robert. I really like the Vikings and I feel like they could have been a sneaky Super Bowl NFC championship game contender, but I just feel like they have too many holes. They should have drafted someone um, to shore up the secondary. And I, I, I know, look, I know they've got pieces back there. Um, obviously, the pass rush is going to get better. Daniel Hunter's really, really good. Uh, but I, uh, I, I just don't know if receiver was where they needed to go this year because I think they should have been win, win now mode. Treadwell is fine. He's he's going to be a great red zone target or whatever. But I just feel like there are other things they could have addressed. I, I feel like if you can win a division title last year, you can win a Super Bowl the next year. So I think you draft for trying to win the Super Bowl. I'm not totally sure if Treadwell does that. I think he fits a need for them. I agree it's not their biggest need. I am still worried about their offensive line. That's yeah, my yeah. biggest concern with them. And But we'll see where that shakes out in terms of personnel. Because now if you sit there three weeks into the season and you're done with Matt Khalil and you say, let's just throw Andre Smith there and figure it out. Yeah. I think that's an option. So uh, – signing him gave them a little bit of wiggle room and I don't mind what they did there. The other team that I'm going to throw out for congrats, you did what you should have 
for the first time in a while in a draft scenario is the Indianapolis Colts. Hey, they right. didn't draft a wide receiver. They did not. They did not draft a tiny wide receiver. Instead, they went with Ryan Kelly, who uh, many people I spoke to said he was going to be the safest, surest bet in the entire first round. And now the Colts draft a center. They needed one. It's been a problem area for them for the last since Andrew Luck was there, more or less. And now it's probably not anymore. Now it's something they're just going to set it and forget it for a decade. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I feel like Ryan Gregson sometimes, you know, we, we do the whole, oh, best player available thing. And I feel like Gregson's the only person who actually believed it. You know, like everyone, everyone else just gives lip service to it. Gregson was taking guys who they absolutely did not need. It was some of the most exactly. bizarre stuff I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, good for him for sticking to his guns and doing best player available, whatever. But they had to find a way to protect Andrew Luck. And they did it. Now, look, there's always all, all sorts of questions about Luck's ribs and whether or not he'll be healthy even next year. Um, but this is going to be a really... A really interesting year as far as figuring out where Andrew Luck is on the pecking order in the NFL. And now that he has interior protection, I think we're going to be able to see whether or not he can be an elite, quote-unquote, quarterback. And I hope that their offense takes a step forward in the running game side of it. They were 30th in rushing DVOA last year, and that's what Kelly gives you to me. He's the linchpin of a really good run offense because that's exactly what he was at Alabama. Yeah, who's running the ball for them right now? I I think you figure that out later as much as I don't mind the Ezekiel Elliott pick for Dallas. I think that's a whatever thing. I, you, Maybe. You, you figure it out later. It's fine with me. I, I'd i rather have the center and get the yeah, oh, no, running I'm back not, I'm not suggesting they, they draft a running back in the first round. I'm just saying I do have some concerns on the personnel back there. I, I think, again, you can manufacture a run game, but you need a little bit of help. So as we wrap up here, let's get to some looking forward stuff mm. for this evening, for mm. the rest of the weekend. The biggest surprise outside of the Larry McTunsell fall was definitely what happened to Miles Jack. Oh, gosh. And it's sad more than, more than anything. I, I said before the draft that I didn't think it would be a big deal if it was just a meniscus. We've seen guys come back from that before. Apparently, the microfracture fear is very real, and I, I just never expected this to happen. I figured a team would at least – roll the dice on him at the end of the first round. And I was terrified the entire draft that it was going to be Green Bay and that it yeah. didn't end up being that. So I would have rather had him end up with the Packers than to see this keep happening yeah. to him. That's how sad I am. Okay. That is really sad. I know. That's really sad. So the Miles Jack thing makes me angry. And, okay. And here's why. Because if you if you look at the history of pass rushers, a defensive lineman or whatever, most really good – players you get five or six years out of them yep. at the front end and that's their first contract and then you sign them to a second contract and you're disappointed okay look at look at mario williams um and dominican sue spent his basically a first contract in, in detroit uh then is his option in franchise years i think he spent five years total in detroit and then left jpp will end up having five good years with the giants before his accident does anyone think those were bad picks no no and so you take Miles Jack, you get four or five, hopefully, transcendent years. Then he has, you know, if his leg is a ticking time bomb and he has to get microfracture surgery, fine. But this idea that, oh, we have to take this guy for the next decade. Who's planning for the next decade? That's this is great crazy. Point. None of these GMs I mean, are going to have jobs in no, a decade. No, if you're planning for, the, for a decade, you're going to be fired by the end of the decade. There are so few things in life where you should be planning for the next 10 years. You know, if you're, I don't know casting a movie where you have to have three if you're casting harry potter and you say okay these are my three stars and we're going to be with them for the next 12 years okay fine that's when you can look at the next decade but if you're looking at football all you're looking at is the first contract that's all you need to care about otherwise you know you get into the situation where the denver broncos may not sign von miller i think that's a legitimate possibility after this year they may not give him 120 million dollars he may go elsewhere but he was a transcendent pick oh my god that's gonna be amazing I, yeah. i'm gonna see what he's gonna get in the but, Open market right. is going to be incredible. But he, was, he was a transcendent pick. He, they won a Super Bowl. And I just feel like you should uh, – I don't believe in anything beyond two-year building plans in the NFL. I think that the careers are too short. The contracts are too short. Um, I just feel like if you're planning for 2019 right now, you're going to fail. And so I think you just take Miles Jack and you roll the dice and hope you can get four good years out of him. And if you can, that's a good pick at 20. That's a good pick at 25. I, I just – if he can – He's a perfect player for today's NFL, and I understand the linebackers are a little bit more marginalized than they have been, but that dude moves, he covers, he can cover anyone. I, I totally agree with you. I think some team is going to be very, very happy at the end of the today. If he can get on the field, he's a better pick than Joshua Garnett. That's it. <laughs> uh, 
we should probably get to Paxton Lynch before we get out of here because sure. he's the one name we I haven't mentioned that I think we should. Not a surprise the team that took him, no. but Denver really wanted him. And I think they and probably – too. So I think the, the Broncos went up from 31, and uh, reportedly it's because other teams were trying to do the same thing and they were worried about somebody else stealing him. So Desperation for quarterbacks. That's it. Do you – so you hate it. I hate it. I, I, okay. hate, I hated all the quarterback selection. Okay. I, I feel like it's a supply-side problem. Yes. It's always – we're going to have this for the rest of time. Quarterbacks will always be overdrafted. Um, you know, it, it's like an actor. They're, they're like actors where there's – you know, who's this, who's this man who's in every movie now? Donald Gleason. You yes. know this guy? Okay. Yeah, I sure. I watched Star Wars the other day on an airplane. I've seen The Revenant. He's in every movie now, okay? Is he that good? No, but he's sort of the only person in that genre right now that's sort of vulnerable looking. He can do whatever, man. He can do what he can do it all. You know, five-tool guy. But he's getting acted off the screen in The Revenant, by the way, by Tom Hardy. Well, yeah, he's also getting acted off the screen as he watches Oscar Isaac dance with a robot, but – but it's because he can be horrified by the dancing with the right. robot. Yeah, exactly. So he is the Carson Wentz and Jared Goff of the situation. He's just getting roles he doesn't deserve because there's no one else. That's uh. what it is right now. And so it's a supply side problem. We're going to have these these quarterbacks be overdrafted for the rest of time. Uh, the teams at the top of the draft are going to be able to make out like bandits because of it. Cleveland, t- I, Tennessee screwed up their their haul, but at one point they had made the right decision. Um, it's going to be very good for the next maybe 10 years for a team to get the first or second pick, be able to trade out of it and get a ton of picks and not have to give up a, by the way, these spread quarterbacks coming in, you know, even, even golf has questions about, about the offense and and, and what his responsibilities were. It's getting harder and harder to figure out who's an elite quarterback coming in. And so I think that it's actually better to just take a second or third round flyer, try to develop a guy because it's so hard to figure out who's good now. I'd rather have Connor Cook at 50 than Carson Wentz at two. That's for damn sure. I can understand that. And and Mallory and I, in some of our preview shows, we talked about what Oakland did and just the idea that why not take Cleo Mack at five and then figure Derek Carr out later. Or Tomlinson and Drew Brees. That worked out at one point. uh, Barnwell wrote about that this week on ESPN.com, just the hidden value of Mm -hmm. second-round quarterbacks. It was very smart. And I agree. And Lynch makes sense when you think about how he moves and what his arm looks like and size-wise. I could see him in that Kubiak offense. But it's a lot. I mean, spending the 26th pick on him and moving up to get him, it's a lot. And when you do that, it's going to be hard to imagine him not starting very soon. And pretty much everything you've heard is that he just played in something that did not even resemble an NFL offense, and it's going to take a little while. But if you trade up for a guy at 26, you better hope he's better than Mark Sanchez pretty early. Poor Mark Sanchez. I feel worse, still feel worse for Chase Daniel. I'm still I'm saying it. I, Chase Daniel got the biggest job in this How entire process. How upset is Chase Daniel that no one cares about him right now? Sh- Sam, I care. No, I but, care but, about but, Chase but Daniel. Sam Bradford's acting out. He's not taking all the. Te- he's not responding to text messages and calls. Chase Daniel's showing up at workouts. He, no one cares that he's getting um, blackballed from the starting competition. No one cares. By the way, I want to talk about Sam Bradford for one second. He's trying to to whine his way out of Philly, okay? And and, and one of the Jeff McLean from from the, one of the Philly papers said that he thinks that, that that Bradford is trying to become so hated that they have to trade him. You don't have to really do much to be so hated in Philadelphia, okay? You don't have to try. He should just go out and be Sam Bradford, and they'll say, "Whoa, they really hate this guy." If they if he goes out, he's already hated because he he, he you know he was very mediocre last year, and so this idea that he has to go and, and negotiate through through the media and whine and not respond to Doug Peterson's texts, buddy, they're gonna hate you anyway. You don't need to do this much. You're really going over the top as far as getting hated. He's going to be shipped out anyway. I just feel like this is a this is a very weird tactic on his part to try to get himself hated in Philadelphia. It's not that hard. And, and thus ends a bizarre 24 hours of everything related to the NFL draft. I, I thought yesterday was going to be really boring, and I, it was not. It was whatever the opposite of boring is, and I was really happy about that. I hope that more bizarre shit happens tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if it did. I am just curious now at the my, – my number one question out of the first round is how many people actually do the gas mask bong thing, like in life? Oh, it's going to become a thing. I would be or shocked it, if it did. Is it a thing? It's been a while since I was in – I haven't been in a dorm in, in eight years. Is it a thing? 
I have no idea. I can't speak to this. Ugh. College kids, let us know. Let us know. Uh, I don't. Tweet I don't us. have a gas mask on hand, but maybe I should get one. I, no. Who knows? If Larry Matunzel had ended up in Chicago, I would have bought him a gas mask if he needed another one. <laughs> I would have been. That's how happy I would have been. All right, Kevin. That's all we got. Um, this was fun. It was. We will do this again. I will be back with another recap show on Monday, I Monday. believe. Which uh, that sounds great. Uh, in the meantime, before we get back to that, after you guys listen to this. Make sure to check out After the Thrones next week. It's available after every episode of Game of Thrones on HBO Now, HBO Go, and HBO Proper. Uh, winter is here, and Chris and Andy are ready to break it down for you. We're also excited to say that we're running this in the Channel 33 podcast feed, as well as our new podcast feed called yeah. Ringer NFL Show. So please subscribe to our specific podcast feed. We would really appreciate that. And as always, we really appreciate you guys listening, and uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Thanks again to Giftogram. Mother's Day is quickly approaching, and if you're like me, I can never figure out what to get mom, let alone where to get it. Luckily, we have Giftogram. Listeners of this podcast can get $20 off their first gift on Giftogram. Just download the Giftogram app on your iPhone or Android device and enter the gift code BSPN. Thanks, Giftogram, for your support and for making life just a little easier. 